Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Today is the beginning of the hearings on Benghazi that many of us have been waiting for. There have been so many developments in the Benghazi story. Let's go to the guy who's been on top of the story from the beginning, the Weekly Standard, Steve Hayes. Steve, welcome. So glad to have you. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. So what should we expect from these hearings today? And is this the beginning of finally getting to the truth in Benghazi? Well, I hope so. Um, I think what we're likely to hear today is a lot of focus on the Accountability Review Board, which was the State Department's internal assessment of what went wrong in Benghazi and and, uh, then a a series of recommendations to improve security. The report has basically become the centerpiece of the administration's uh, defense of itself and its own actions on Benghazi. They admitted some problems, uh, said that they were going to correct some things, but said, in effect, to any claim that there had been, um, you know, some kind of a cover-up or additional problems that weren't disclosed, the administration held up the Accountability Review Board report and said, Both, this has been looked into and there's nothing there. The problem with that defense is the ARB, the process and the final product was deeply, deeply flawed with, uh, I think, compromised investigation and uh, not any, anything far from a comprehensive report and result. Uh, my understanding is that Hillary Clinton got to a point for the five people reviewing the actions of Hillary Clinton herself. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> and my understanding right. is... That uh, yeah. Cheryl Atkinson is reporting that two of Hillary's key flacks were actually down in the room where the material was being reviewed, saying we want to make sure that nothing gets out that's going to make us look bad. Is, can that possibly be true, Steve? Um, well, that's that's the allegation, and it has a it has a name behind it. That's the allegation from a gentleman named Raymond Maxwell, who is a uh, somewhat senior. State Department official worked uh, at the Near East desk, uh, helped supervise it, in fact, and uh, said that he went down to the basement uh, and basically walked in on this process where you had State Department officials being supervised by Cheryl Mills, Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, and Jake Sullivan, Hillary Clinton's then deputy chief of staff, sorting Benghazi documents requested by Congress into two piles. One pile would be provided to Congress because it didn't have anything damning or damaging to the administration. The other pile would be provided, uh, this is actually to the ARV, to the Accountability Review Board. One pile would be uh, things that were not damaging to the State Department and Hillary Clinton. The other pile would be things that were damaging to Hillary Clinton. And those documents, according to Ray Maxwell, were withheld. This is what confuses me is... You've got now a guy, a senior guy at the State Department going, whoa, this was a scam from the beginning. You've got uh, uh, one of the two people uh, overseeing that review admitting, yeah, I, I, I let the State Department know that one of their witnesses was going to be a not great witness and urged them not to use her. I also uh, let them have an advanced copy of the review. And in other words, it's, it would be a scandal, Steve Hayes, except for it's happening right in front of us. And yet, if you watch the media coverage, you would think that this is like the hearing on issuing dog licenses in Ottumwa, Iowa. Yeah, it's even worse than that, I would say. I mean, the, the media, I mean, if you just peruse uh, Twitter this morning and, and follow some mainstream journalists who are commenting about the hearings and the investigation, it's a joke. They don't take it seriously. They think this is all partisan. This is all about the 2014 midterms. There's no real effort 
define the facts. And in any case, we already know what happened. This is just sort of right-wing hysteria and paranoia uh, manifesting itself in a congressional investigation. The problem, I think, with that line is it requires these reporters, uh, you know, most of whom presumably got into the profession because they have some modicum of, of curiosity, it requires them to ignore a series of facts and witnesses coming out and providing things that at the very least should require further investigation. I mean, if you have a senior State Department official saying on the record in his name, now he, he said this in an interview um, with Cheryl Atkinson, as you point out, uh, Jason Chaffetz, a Republican member of Congress from Utah, is the one who has come forward and, and uh, provided the names of the two senior Hillary Clinton officials who were supposedly doing this sorting. But you have a senior State Department official who claims to have been an eyewitness in what was, in effect, a cover-up. That should really matter. I mean, yep. People should ask questions. Now, maybe he's not telling the truth. I mean, well, I leave that possibility uh, out there. That's entirely possible. I don't know him. I can't vouch for his credibility. Um, maybe he's not telling the truth. But at the very least, it screams out for further investigation. But, but it's not going to happen. I mean, we know that it's not going to happen because, just as you mentioned, there were deep problems with the ARB and the process long before that. We've known about for months that were never adequately investigated by the mainstream media. And in particular, Admiral Mike Mullen, one of the two co-chairs, said, acknowledged in transcribed testimony that he provided a copy of the ARB report to Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, Cheryl Mills, before it was released to the public. That's a clear conflict of interest. Did she make edits? Uh, did she change wording? We don't know. And the other thing he did was, as you mentioned, notify uh, the State Department senior leadership that there was a problem with one of the witnesses that was going to be going before Congress. Uh, he said that he was, in effect, coaching the State Department about its witnesses at the same time that he was leading the investigation. Into you know, Steve Havis, so if I was a clear conflict, if I was one of those journalisty kind of guys, I'd find all that very interesting. You know, that's just me. Hey, I want to move on to one more thing before we run out of time. And that is uh, President Obama's absolutely no boots on the ground in Iraq, period. Not going to happen. Zero. End of story. And then Martin Dempsey yesterday. Well, on a case by case basis, we're going to consider. So if I understand it, the plan is for us to case by case present options for boots on the ground and President Obama to shoot them down. That's the That's plan. Exactly now? What's going to happen. Okay. You've got it exactly right. Got it. The, 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 the problem is the problem is uh, it's been hyped. What Dempsey said has been, I think, hyped in the media because it contradicts what the president said. And in that sense, it was it was interesting that Dempsey said it. Mm -hmm. But we know that the president was provided with a plan that called for a modest contingent of troops on the ground, and he rejected it. He has made clear that that is his red line. There may not be red lines anywhere else. That's there right. may not be red lines for the enemy, but there's a red <laughs> line for us, and it's, ground, it's troops on the ground. What I'm trying to figure out is if the president knew for a fact that sending in 5,000 Americans to wipe out ISIS would prevent a successful attack on the homeland, would he do it, or would he stand by his ide ideologically driven no American troops in Iraq? Well, look, I mean, that's a very interesting hypothetical because we know the president has made the case that ISIS presents an immediate threat, if not an imminent threat, an right. immediate threat and uh, a, a threat to our core interests. I mean, that's the way he's described it. And yet he said repeatedly, we are not willing to put right. troops on the ground no matter what. So regardless of the threat to the core interests, we are not going we're going to outsource this to, to troops in the region and hope that they 
that they will protect our core interests. And, and, and you know, Stephen Hayes, as soon as some troops in the region show up, maybe that plan will work. But they're too busy not putting their boots on the ground either. Steve Hayes with the Weekly Standard saying thanks so much for your time. You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.